You're listening to Legends Cast, a podcast about the cards, the meta, and the community of the Legends of Runeterra. This episode is brought to you by listeners like you. To become a supporter of the show, visit patreon.com slash legendscast. Let's do this. Hello and welcome to Legends Cast, a podcast about the legends of Runeterra. My name is Mark Orr, the Lift from outside of Pittsburgh, PA, and with me tonight is my eternally optimistic and catastrophically creative co-host, Gibbles and Bits. Gibbles and Bits, how you doing tonight, man? I'm doing good, my better half. How are you doing? I'm doing great, man. Notice how I didn't stumble or pause even for a second on your introduction that time. I had it down. You're getting comfortable. I mean, there's a certain level of comfort you have when you know that you own somebody in the game that you're talking about. Well, sure. Yeah. I mean, once you really are aware of how dominant you are in (laughs) said game, it's a lot easier to remember you know, their nicknames, their introductions, all sorts of stuff like that. Uh, yeah, you know, I mean, you brought it up, so we might as well talk about it. Uh, Gibby and I, we had to face off this week in uh, in the Discord League. In the Discord League, man. And uh, Gibby, why don't you tell them about what happened? Uh, I guess you're getting... Yeah, why don't you give the good people the deets? I guess you're going to make me do it, huh? Yes. So... I should never say deets. Like, as a <laughs> 33-year-old dad... Deets should never be a thing that comes out of my mouth. You could mouth. have replaced Just... it with like down the give him the down low, and that also would have him... that would also would have been like along the same lines. But <laughs> yeah, hey. it would have been bad, but not as bad as the deets. Hey, right? N- like that's know yourself. Know know what generation you come from. Deets and down low. That's that's uh, <laughs> given the biz. You know that's it's it's the same it's the same era. Yeah, that's about right. No, but seriously, Mark and I played each other in. Our uh, our match this week in the losers bracket of Legends Cast Discord League, and Mark was victorious. I officially went zero and two as I went from going uh, undefeated in Swiss play last uh, season to uh, and then stepping down before the the final bracket, um, just for prize purposes, to going zero and two in in what is supposed to be a very creative deck building format. I, I just realized that the the approach that I took in um I would be lying if I said that I didn't spend as much time in uh sure, in, sure. in this deck building phase this maybe this season as I have in previous seasons. Um but I also felt a lot less confident in my even in on decks. I don't know if it was just my approach or just maybe some refusal to play some very good champs in this format that I just don't typically like to play in competitive or in casual, but uh, the decks mm. I had, I don't think they were bad, but I just think that there were better options out there. Uh, to the two players I, I mean, I played, I played you and Brood on, and you guys both played very well. Um, so kudos to both of you. Well, let's talk about your lineup because I, I am interested because I, I was very interested in your lineup. So the ones that I played against were Siver Akshan and your Maokai deck, which Siver Akshan, like you can kind of imagine, right? Mm-hmm. It's evens, aggressive, landmarks. And that was my I, I highest performing deck. Yeah. Was there anything in that that was off? I mean, obviously, there's probably a couple of things that were, like, not normal. But anything that you had thrown in there that was, like, you were particularly p- 
proud of that was off of what your typical auction Siver list might look like? Um, out of maybe a little bit of disappointment and spite, I did delete my decks pretty fast from the client. <laughs> <laughs> so I don't necessarily remember. He's done. But, He's angry, y'all. <laughs> but I um I I I don't rem that I don't think that one I think that one was pretty true to form. I mean I think amongst Demacia and and Sharima, there are enough good cards just good stuff cards that made sense for that style of deck i mean i legit pulled the uh demacia and sharima just the meta deck that is performing pretty well and there weren't many cards that i had to change in there um so i mean it didn't have ruin runners and things like that it didn't have um merciless hunters because that's a three cost so there were some definitely some key vulnerable tools in there but, but i mean you still have bakai sand spinner which is also a vulnerable tool you still have um the two cost spell that uh ruthless predator that gives something vulnerable and gives you plus two i mean when you have quick attack like Akshan, that still is just as good so you had plenty of stuff to pull from it wasn't like the deck felt lacking and it performed i i didn't run it in my first lineup uh in my first round um but I did run it. I don't think I did, but I, I did run it in others and, and against you and just other practice matchups. And it did very well. So um, the, mm-hmm. the, the Maokai deck, I was going to keep a little under wraps because I know there's somebody else running around who's still alive in the bracket. Oh, that I actually oh. got that deck from, so could, I will shout that person out later when they are no longer in the matchup. Cause I don't want to give that away. Um, Wait, is it, I, okay, I, 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 had don't, a, I don't want to give that a, person away I have, either, a D, I have a DM message with somebody who I was discussing decks with, and I and they came to me and said, dude, you got to try this. It's pretty good. Um, and I tried Interesting. it. Interesting. And it was. I felt good about that deck. So there was a Maokai deck. It's a mill deck um, in, yeah. in a, in a yeah. format where things slow down because even in odds. Um, it, it, it was Shadow Isles, but it wasn't with Bilge, was it? Mm-mm. No. Shadow Isles, because it was a weird, uh, was it Sharima that it was with? No, 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 it wasn't Sharima. What did you run with it? Oh, goodness. What did I run with it? Because it was like, it was predominantly Shadow Isles. Like it was, I don't even remember, honestly, many cards in our match that were not Shadow Isles cards. And I was, that's why I was trying to run through my head. But it was surprisingly enough, I don't think it was Bilgewater because you no. weren't running a lot of the other toss mechanics, because most of the toss mechanics do exist in Bilgewater. Right. Um, oh, oh, it was Sharima, because you had the ability to draw a champion from your deck. Um, you had the zero oh, yeah, yeah, cost, yeah. sack a mana gem to draw a champion. That's right. Yeah, so... Yeah. yeah I had I had Ryder Collings in that deck. So yeah, it was it was that, that mill deck, and, and just wants to stall the game now. It's got some healing to it, so it's, it's a good deck for that format, especially if you can ban something aggressive. Which I didn't do against you, which I should have. Um, but yeah, I uh, I I played you down to a card, and you, you got me. You got me with some elusives and some Zoe on the last turn. But the other deck yeah. I had was Callista Viego, and I felt really good about that because I run that deck in ladder all the time. Um, a different, just a version of that. And Callista Viego, Callista being the three, Cambodian Soldier being three, Viego being five, and and the Snapvine or the uh, Hydrovine being seven. It builds itself. It's it's very easy to run. It pilots easy, and it's got a lot of good tools. So felt good about that deck too. Um, 
I don't think I played badly. I will say I drew some bad no, cards. No, 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 but... no. I thought that you played well. I thought you played well. It was it, it, it was like really down to the wire. So my lineup is uh, is feel the rush um, with uh, Sejuani and Trindamir. Um, Trindamir. And that has been banned every time. I've never had a chance to play it. Nobody wants to play against Good. that, which I understand. Um, and then I'm also running uh, Catastrophe with Zoe and Aphelios and Tribeam. And then I'm running uh, Pirate Aggro with uh, MFGP. Um, and that is running Noxus Bilgewater. Yep. And um, those games that I've played that deck have been pretty quick wins. Like, the, 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 I mean, obviously it's aggro, but like it, it, it's a pretty efficient deck. There's not a lot of changes you need to make with that. The one that I'm proud of is the Subpersible Catastrophe Tri-Beam Zoeophilios deck. Um, and you did, so in, the, in, our, in our final game, so I think game one, you won. Um, you no, game, pushed, or maybe uh, game, game one, one I you won. won with your aggro deck against, against the mill deck pretty, pretty handily. Yep, and then I had to go to Ophelia Zoe, which you beat back with. Uh, I I just could not deal with your um, Silver Auction. Uh, yeah, but Auction specifically, you gave. I had like I had removal in hand, but you gave Auction uh, uh, spell shield uh, right towards the beginning of the game, and I just could not stop the resource generation. And over time, I didn't draw Tribeam. Um, I didn't draw Philios till late, um, and I just couldn't. I didn't get the the stuff rolling that I needed to get rolling. And you were able to get rid of my Zoe pretty early in that match. Uh, if I remember correctly, that deck was running the four mana five three that makes something vulnerable and gives it minus one attack. Sandspinner, yep. Yeah, Sandspinner, which completely disabled my Zoe. And although I was able to keep her alive, I could not attack with her. And Nexus Strike in order to generate the resources from her that I needed in order to level her up in our last game though, two things happened. One, I leveled up Zoe a little bit earlier in the game. And, uh, and so I was able to, you know, trade for the rest of the game and share all of my keywords and you leveled up Malachi, um, which are both completely and totally game ending mechanics, right? That like we should have, it should have been lost. And it just ended up that I pulled a submersible, that was able to give my board elusive and you didn't have any abilities to deal with elusives. And because you were playing evens, you were unable to run vengeance. So you, I, I feel like you had things that could have dealt with my board, mm -hmm. but they were all slow spells. So my open attack with elusives got me the win. Yeah. And I, I removed Zoe with a, uh, a two, one, um, little sapling that Maokai created. I almost had you once and then you buffed just out of it. And then I got hit you again with another one on a, on a later turn. And it was as I was attacking and had Zoe pulled that you leveled her, which then her, her ability is permanent, which sure as essentially said, okay, it's, it's, this is, this is going downhill quickly. So. Yeah. And I didn't have many things left when you leveled up. I ended up with one card left in my deck. I had a couple cards in hand. I was just a few unique cards off of getting my catastrophe in hand to play my thirty thirty cat, um, but I I was likely to sort of run out of time with with playing the cards that I needed in order to actually activate catastrophe, because um, that deck is not actually all that <laughs> easy to get catastrophe working. Yeah. 
even though it's uh, an odds deck. Uh, just was able to sort of clutch it out, but it was a really fun. It was a really fun couple of matches. Uh, I will say this: it's probably the funnest I've had time in LOR in a long time. Well, I'm glad it was fun, my friend. You earned your victories, and as I've said in Discord, I am now part of the the Lift fan club, uh, cheering you on the rest of the way. And I think I noticed that DBN has not played, to my knowledge, or at least he hasn't reported his. His user, his loser bracket match yet. I don't know if he's played as a. I, I, he hadn't played by the time we had on Saturday, so I know that they are trying to get it in, but I don't know if he's played yet. Okay, so yeah, so you know, hey, we'll we'll uh, yeah, we'll, hopefully, hopefully he's uh, he's still in it, and I can knock him out next round. Ooh. That's yes, There's some that's fighting the words. Yeah, hopefully he's in it. We can we can knock him out next round. Um, but before we get into two champs in a hat and talk a little bit about that, I do want to say thank you to all of our Patreons over at patreon.com slash legendscast. You guys are awesome and amazing and legendary, and we appreciate every single one of you. Thank you for being so great um, and supporting us. Uh, you can grab a link if you'd like to financially support the show. You know, consider um, a, a nickel an episode. Uh, that's 20 cents a month. Uh, that you would give us. So, you know, go over, pledge that 20 cents. That gives you access to the Patreon channel over on Discord. It also uh, gives you untethered access to us and uh, our families and anything that you want ever. No, that's not true, of course. <laughs> um, but, uh, but, it, but you do get access to that. And then we do a, very occasionally, like once a month, once every other month, we put out uh, an episode that doesn't have anything to do with Runeterra that goes on our Patreon page for just them. I think the last one was me and DBN rating um, all of our Star Wars movies, uh, and so you could get access to it over there. And in addition to that, once a month, we give away a piece of uh, Legends Cast merch. Right now, we're giving away T-shirts. And this month's winner, which I, as I'm saying this, I realized I didn't actually mail Doc his shirt yet from last month, and I need to do that, so Doc, I'm sorry. Um, but this this month's winner is a longtime patron. We've had a couple of longer patrons who've won recently, and that is uh, our, our boy uh, Matthew Z, Royal Shine. Uh, Royal Shine, uh, who isn't super active in the Discord, but always has been a major supporter of the show uh, and has really messaged us to support us multiple times and encourage us, uh, is the winner. So Matthew Z, Royal Shine, when you listen to this episode, be sure to reach out and send me. I might even have some of your contact information. I have to look it up. Um, but do me a favor, send me your name and address in case you moved, and uh, we'll get a T-shirt out to you. Let me know what size you wear. Once again, if you want to support us uh, in that way, go over to patreon.com slash legendscast. Become a supporter of the show. We love you. At, love to have you part of, of that inner circle of the family uh, here at Legendscast. And, and kind of like once a patron, always a patron around here. There have been people who've been patrons and then have since canceled, and they keep the patron tag. They keep the patron tag over in Discord. We don't. We don't take that. We don't take that from you. Yeah, it's Once like a. Patron, co- it's like a Costco patron. membership, kind of. Yeah, you do have to pay for that every year. Yeah, so but you could probably get away with using an old Costco card because they just you just hold it up to them and then you walk in the building. That that's true. That's true. Yeah, very similar to a Costco membership, guys. Um, uh, unlimited access to the Patreon page. Um, but why don't we? Uh, why don't we jump out of this and, and head over to? Our season three segment, Two Champions in a Hat. Ah, the sweet smell of science. Okay, guys, welcome to Two Champs in a Hat. This week, Gibby and I had to make decks with 
uh, Renekton and Echo, which theoretically, when I heard it, I did not think it was bad. I was wrong. So we're going to let Gibby talk about it first, though, because he had a little bit more success than I did. Gibby, why don't you tell us about your experiences with the uh, the Renekton-Echo combo that we had to work with? Yeah, man. I mean, we when we build these decks with two champs and a hat, our goal is to not lopside the decks yep. so one way or the other that we really want to be able to capture the flavor of both of the champions. That way it's truly like a mashup combination. You We don't want to be like, okay, it's... It is Malkai and it is Fiora. Well, we've got Fiora in there and then a bunch of discard tools like for to get level up Malkai. Like you you want it to be balanced. The problem is Renekton and Echo. I'm sure Marco Mark can echo some of the <laughs> echo some of the same um vibes from this that during his deck building experience with with these two champions. Both of them are very deck space intensive. They um, require mm-hmm. you to build a lot of your deck, use a lot of deck slots in order to make them consistent or make them run, make them work. Renekton requires you, he only really gets his buff. I mean, he needs you to do 10 damage. Both of these champions actually realizing, uh, as we were talking about it before the show, both Echo and Renekton recently got a buff. Yep. Echo most recent patch. Yeah, so Echo went from needing to predict five times to level to needing to predict four times, and then Renekton went from needing to do twelve damage and living to uh, to level to going to I've dealt ten damage. Um, yeah. So both of them have received buffs, but even then, it still just wasn't enough. Um, these aren't two champions that are prominent in the meta right now, or these aren't two champions that are performing super well against what's out there. Um, and it may be because they're they they need so many deck spaces in order for you to make them work. If they just don't combo well with other things, well, they didn't really combo that well with each other either. I mean, predict is always a decent mechanic. Um, it requires sure a little... nothing wrong with predict if you get some of it splashed into your deck. Right. Very different building your deck around it, right? Exactly. I mean, because predict predict is a good is a pretty strong mechanic. So the the uh, I would say the units that have predict on them tend to be either weak on defense or just not really that strong overall on stats uh, because mm-hmm. predict is a strong mechanic. So it kind of makes up for that in terms of overall value for whatever mana cost the the unit is. So for example, like Aspiring Chronomancer, a two cost two, three, that's actually a pretty good stat line for, for a two cost unit. Um, but care, uh, like careful preparations for what it does. It's kind of a low tempo play at three mana. Um, practical perfectionist is a four, it's a three cost four, two. It's a, that's a good aggressive stat line, but two damage is easily killable. Same thing with echo is a four cost four, two. That's also easily killable because there's a lot of very easy to kill. There's a lot of spells running out there right now. Um, darkness specifically. Yeah. Darkness is all over the place. I think this has to do with Alan's EQ recently posted a list just like a couple days ago of, a darkness deck that he's been running and of course he's the first world champ so he has a lot of influence over the meta right now that it that was very felt by me today as i was testing out some decks yeah i actually truth truthfully i had i didn't run into a single darkness deck when i was testing this um but had i i think i would have had a bad an even worse time um but i, I ran almost exclusively in 
to some version of Vigar. Yeah, I've been I've been seeing a lot of that on ladder. So totally that that totally tracks, even though I was just testing this in casual. But where I ended up with Renekton and Echo is I I went a little bit balanced uh, with it. So I've got some predict tools in here like ancient preparation, three ancient preps, just a good one cost. Let's get something down. Um, and predict, and it'll eventually create a 2-2 two -two with a little bit of a slower yeah. meta. I'm not afraid to play that. I've got a sc one Scrying Sands in there just to help um, Renekton get some kills off, giving that predicting as well, but also getting giving something negative to uh, attack. Aspiring Chronomancers and Ruthless Predators, once again, pretty much one of each. Uh, one predict tool for Echo and one vulnerable attack tool for Renekton. Um, time tricks for for Echo that two cost predict and draw one and because it's like the best card it's in all of nuts PNC. it's so nuts um, I mean there's a reason that Renekt or that Echo creates one for free when he levels like it's it's so good um, some careful preparations just to be able to, to cycle some things in your hand and create extra copies um, grappling hook I think you said you also put grappling hook in your deck when an ally you've targeted this round strikes an ally that you've targeted this round strikes an enemy, so you play any sort of burst spell or buff spell on somebody, and then you can grappling hook. Um, basically play a three-mana slow spell um, concerted strike on a unit, mm -hmm. which is really good if you've got some cheap uh, like buffs to play on, on, your, on your units, especially Renekton. It'll help him level pretty quickly. Merciless Hunter is just good stuff. Um, for the vulnerable, practical perfectionist, a little bit more predict. So I've probably got, I think, anywhere, probably about 15 cards in here um, that do predict things, which is a good, healthy okay. amount. Um, probably another good 10 to 15 cards in here that are buffs uh, or Renekton, for that matter. So synergizing with him. Ruin Runner on the top, some Siphoning Strike to help give some, some better stats to Echo and Renekton if you can get a Siphoning Strike off. And I decided to run Kahiri, the Returned, at the top. Because I was running so much predict, um, when I'm Kahiri reads, he's a six cost four four fearsome. When I'm summoned, create a copy of me in your deck. Um, when you see me in a prediction, grant all allied copies of me everywhere plus two plus two. Um, so he's because of the amount that I'm predicting and also creating predicts off of Echo, it just seemed like a good logical choice that I will eventually see him in some predicts. I can ignore him just to keep those copies in there and then just keep predicting him. Um, and keep buffing him, but mm -hmm. um, really didn't get to the point a whole lot where Kahiri was a difference maker. Okay. Yeah, I I found that this deck does not want to go that long. Yeah. Like, card draw that was hard. my, yeah, that was my biggest issue. So I, I ran something pretty similar. Um, I don't think I was evenly as evenly split. In fact, I just looked at it right now and realized that I only had nine PNZ cards, uh, Mystic Shots, Time Tricks, and Echoes. <laughs> Hmm. Um, now when I looked at this initially, I was like, okay, there's two things that really make sense. Echo wants PNZ Sharima because that's where you can get all the predicted tools. So Echo can be played well with these two regions. Then I thought, well, Echo wants to strike because when he strikes, he creates, uh, you know, time tricks and free time tricks in hand at level um, and Renekton wants to strike because he, you know, wants to level up and strike. But neither one of them want to strike each other, right? Neither one of them want to use single combat because it's it, they don't want it. They'll die. So both of them want to use one directional strikes. So I was like, okay, 
One directional strikes, predict tools, vulnerable tools. Echo loves vulnerable tools. Renekton loves vulnerable tools. Like, this should work. I did not have that experience. Now, that could be because today I played probably 15 games. I won one of those 15, maybe two. Um, and that one that I won that I can remember was against Pike Rek'Sai. Um, they missed turn one on turn two. They played the fish that auto attacks when they already had the attack token, and they missed the lurk. Um, and feels. I had a two-one blocker. Yeah, so they just surrendered. So that wasn't even a real win. So I played uh, two ancient preps, two exhaust, two scrying sands. Um, I thought exhaust was was good. And Scrying Sands was good. Both of them, my priority was, like, I really needed to protect my units, my my allies. Uh, treasure Seekers, Aspiring Chronomancers, Mystic Shots, Rock Hoppers. Um, and then I was, like, I really wanted to run Grappling Hook. Um, so I ran two Grappling Hooks, but I have no real way to buff anything in my deck. Everything diminishes my opponent's stuff or deals direct damage to them. There's just not many buffs in PNZ or Sharima. So I ran the Absolver, thinking maybe I could burst through with the leveled Renekton with the Absolver, you know, leveled Renekton plus three plus three on a five five body and then give him an additional four attack with the leveled Absolver. Pretty good. Um, then Merciless Hunter and Bakai Sand Spinner really going hard for the vulnerable. A single copy of Siphoning Strike. And then uh, the Bruiser, uh, the Vakaran Bruiser if I pronounce that right, mm -hmm. uh, the one that strikes to create a lucky find in hand. So uh, overall, I felt like the deck was pretty synergistic. But, you know, I, I, I couldn't purchase a win. I, 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 could, I couldn't get anything. It was very frustrating. Um, I just I ran out of resources too easily, very consistently running out of resources um, because my opponent could just... It was, it was just too easy to ping away everything. And that may have been because... Probably out of the 15 decks, 12 of them were darkness decks. I mean, I'm not exaggerating. Probably 12 out of my 15 games or 10 out of my 12 games were against darkness today. And this deck might just have an abnormal weakness to playing against darkness because it basically has unlimited point-and-click removal. And this deck is very weak against that because you don't have things like spell shield, regen, health buff, uh, everything is sort of like attack heavy buff. Um, and so I, I mean, I lost multiple games with leveled echo or leveled Renekton on board. Like, yeah, I would level them. And now I will say two things. One echoes way better at, at his new level up way better. It is so much easier to get four than it is to get five. Um, it makes a difference for sure. I mean, when you think about the tempo and the, and the mana cost that you usually end up getting to that point with, um, I think him only needing four. I've played some games against Echo decks recently um, on ladder. And I think what Echo now allows you to do is him coming down or pretty close to it. Um, you can put him down. You can strike with him. And when he is actually in like in the waiting phase, like during the actual uh -huh. attack, people have enough mana to play something cheap, like a Scrying Sands to predict and level him mid-combat, and then he strikes and then gets the level-up time trick again for free because he's already leveled up before he strikes. It's not when you attack, it's when he strikes. So there's there's a whole different, it almost seems like a whole different play pattern, like in tempo now, that Echo can can utilize. 
if you really build like an a proper echo deck. Um, so I agree. Yeah. I think he's a lot better. The other thing is Renekton is a lot better as well, and, and the reason for that is this: if you can scrying sand, or not scrying sands, but if uh, if you can exhaust and attack with a Renekton, he's gonna come in at six, so he's gonna be six out of ten towards level up, but he has four attack. So that means if somebody swings back at you and you can trick a trade and block with a Renekton with no buff on him at all, he will level up before your next turn. Um, and that's when I leveled him up the most reliably is whenever I would attack something that was vulnerable and then and I would survive that trade. And then on my opponent's turn, they would attack and I would get the opportunity to trick the trade or be able to get a strike in with Renekton um, and that enabled me to level him up. Um, it makes me not at all excited to play Renekton with Echo. Zero excitement there. Um, because uh, PNZ just doesn't offer the protection. But it does make me really excited to try Renekton, even with Grappling Hook, with something like Freljord. Mm -hmm. Something where uh, Renekton Sejuani, where I can buff Renekton's health to keep him alive. I can frost or uh, frostbite stuff in order to trick trades with him, and it would re very reliably, I think, get him leveled up. I was actually impressed with how easy I had never played Renekton enough to get him leveled up before, um, but there was a couple of times that I got I got to trick a couple trades and get him leveled up. Now I didn't have any protection for him, so he died almost every time after I leveled him up. I might have gotten an attack in with him. He wasn't all that impressive for finishing games, but maybe in a deck where you're playing a lot of overwhelm creatures and, like, good combat tricks, not just scrying sands, um, but stuff that genuinely, like, hard protects you, that uh, that you might get a lot more luck with Renekton. I, I really feel like Renekton Sejuani could have some, some real you know, footing Juice. to stand on right now. Yeah. I mean, um, Renekton Sejuani so was an, good. Renekton Sejuani was an old, um, when Renekton and Shareem originally came out, that was a build. I know DBN was playing around with that and to some success as well, uh, played yeah. that, that those, those, that champ combo and that, that deck type. And I think the, the buff, as you mentioned, to Renekton only makes that more viable. We're also shifting back to a, um, a, a stat-based kind of meta at the at right now with all of the buffs to dragons, with the mm. the dragon clutch um, getting a buff and some of the other dragon dra egg. Just a dragon or egg. Is that the? Or is that is that dragon clutch? I'm I think that's sure. dragon clutch. That's the the target the three the three cost targon spell that gives everything plus gives either draws you two dragons or gives everything plus one plus one and overwhelm that's on board yeah, yeah, dragon. yeah, yeah, yeah. That, yeah that, that that's one. what yeah so that getting a buff and then the uh the the tool the one that gives it all fear when something with fury kills something it gives it gives it plus one plus one twice uh fury triggers twice that getting a stat buff and just some other dragon tool centric tools we're seeing more dragons out there now and that de that deck type kind of coming back Renekton fits that mold of wanting to compete on board being big. Uh, doesn't have as many protection tools, but I think you're right. Something like Freljord that says, I don't care how big you get because I'm going to get big too, but I'm going to frostbite you and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tr just trick one or two trades. That's all I need is one or two trades and now I'm going to consistently be bigger than you. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, I... <clears throat> You know, it's really hard. It's really hard because uh, before we came into this this uh, episode, I was I was just telling Gibby like I was just 
I was not in a good place after playing this Echo Renekton deck. Um, but from an, now that I now that I'm a little bit away from it, I, I I was just very I was just very frustrated. It's just it's frustrating to lose game after game and to feel like there is absolutely almost no room for creativity in this game. Sometimes, like that's just where I'm at. Like I want to be able to jump into this game and pick two champions that I think would be interesting to play together, but maybe don't work you know, synergistically out of the box, right? They didn't come in the starter deck together, Mm -hmm. right? Something that didn't come in the starter deck together, right? I want to use Lux Leona. That was my thing that last week. I want to run Lux Leona. I want to be for the light, right? (laughs) I want to see if I can get these guys to work together to see if I want to buy their skins and play their Battle Academia skins together for the light. And it was just trash. It was just absolute hot trash garbage. Like the... The, the champions in this game are so narrowly focused in that it's just it's just impossible to, I don't know, it's just impossible to get something to work that wasn't pre-made by Riot before they ever delivered it to us, right? Just play the best thing and we already made it for you so you don't have to think. And that drives me insane. And the thing that gets me most frustrated during Two Champs in a Hat sometimes it's like, ah, man, like, these should work together. Um, like, there should be enough synergies between Echo and Renekton that I can make something that can win some games. Um, but it's just not there. Like, the synergies cannot compare to the pre-built decks-type synergies. And I realize that no one's using pre-built decks. Don't write to me in Discord and tell me. I know the pre-con decks are garbage. You understand what I mean. The pre-built synergies but, that are in the game, but Mark, one of the only those pre-synergy decks that they give are always so good. Don't well, you buy them good. every event? They're not good. Um, you know, I think maybe one of my favorite decks in the game, uh, two of my favorite decks in the game, are my Frost Shock deck and my Five Below deck. And Frost Shock is uh, Ash Ezreal, and uh, Five Below is Riven uh, Lee Sin, and it's because. They are slightly off of sort of the pre-con mentality, um, but they're still viable, right? Um, and uh, and you just don't you don't get that in a lot of other situations, which is very frustrating to me. Which brought me to a thought, and that is, why are these champions bad? Because I think that Echo and Renekton are better, but I think they're both still very unplayable. Like I think they're better than they were, but they're still complete garbage. And why is that? I think one of the reasons for that is in order to get the value off of Ecto, Echo or Renekton, you want to get them, honestly, that you want to start getting the value of them because of the nature of how they play the turn that you drop them. But so often, the turn that you drop them, you do not also have the mana available to protect them. And even if you have some protection, it's very, very rarely ever going to be enough in comparison to your opponent's full handful of mana and full handful of cards. Um, and in order to get value from them, you have to put them in harm's way, right? Uh, you know, Renekton's not going to get value or level up unless you attack with him. Echo's not going to generate you your time tricks unless you're striking with him. And so you have to put them in harm's way and have to be able to protect them. And in this game, things like Ezreal, things like Aphilios, things like Lee Sin, technically... You have to put him in harm's way to win. He has to attack, but that's an entirely different, you know, that's an entirely different story um, because that's that's not really the case. 
Um, because, you know, you're putting him down and you're comboing on the same turn that you're you're dropping him typically. Um, you know, things, uh, I, I'm thinking like, things like Aurelian Soul, things like Viego, things like Senna, things like Vigar. Um, a lot of these champions, things like, um, Callista and I, I would even say Akshan. Misfortune can sit in the back line. Azir can sit in the back line. Aurelia can sit in the back line. Um, these are all for a while, you know, Lissandra Talia, even uh, whenever there was there was turbo thralls. Nami sits on the back line and is not forced to attack. A lot of these champions that can sit on the back line and generate their value um, without having to put themselves in harm's way are so often the best champions in the game and become the only playable champions. And the uh, except for the ones that are most overtuned, right? Like the only one that got its value from being active and putting itself in harm's way was Sivir for a while. And Sivir came with natural defenses and spell shield and she was just really overtuned. And so she was really, really strong. But you had a lot of other champions who, you know, that wasn't the case. They weren't overtuned enough to be able to get their value. So you, you had to have backline champions. There's exceptions to that rule, right? Of course, there's exceptions to that rule. You know, Victor still sucks completely, totally bad. Heimerdinger's absolute trash. They're backline champions, but Heimerdinger did have his day. Um, and then there are, you know, some champions that are very valuable because they're tuned enough that they can be, you know, actively putting themselves in harm's way, and it's fine. Things like right now, Poppy, you know, obviously very, very strong. So there's things that break that, but I really feel like, by and large, the champions that do better in this game are ones that don't have to attack. Well, and as to your point, I think the best example is exactly what you ran into. Vigar never has to go into combat ever. Uh, nope. And continues to generate just insane value. Uh, re repeatable insane value as the game goes yep. on because he continues to give his his darkness that he generates uh, damage. It's his, and once he levels up, he generates darkness himself, which then right. can go face. He becomes a stall tool that never has to attack into the most aggressive attack tool there in the game. It's yep. it's crazy. Senna because she can play the the darknesses that she generates. By the time she comes down on five, I think the problem that I have is, and I, I really do wish that darkness wasn't in the game. Darkness is probably the one deck I have a problem with. It's because it's so man, like you said, it's manufactured. All of the followers play into the exact game plan that the exact yeah. two champions want to um, want to make happen. The champions are just a more accelerated and even better version of what the followers in the early game helped them do. With the regardless yep. of when Vigar and regardless of when um, Senna come down, like Stilted Robemaker making all of the now the spells that Vigar and, and Senna create for the rest of the game cheaper is crazy. Like that's crazy, and I it's it's that in of itself is nutty. Yes. I I probably have a five percent win rate against darkness, no matter what deck I've been playing. I've been trying to scratch my head and figure out that deck, but, um, yeah, I agree with you. It's just it's just cards like that, and I think to build upon it, one thing I think that hurts Renekton and Echo right now is there's a decent amount of removal. Um, renew yeah. removal tools continue to get added to the game as as we add a uh, we add a new factions like Bandle City. And they have mini morph, or they have pokey sticks, or they have the poison darts, um, and we've still got other tools and other factions that are are now becoming more prevalent since board centric, since decks are becoming more board centric, um, and the Renekton and Echo decks 
I think what makes them a bit easier to navigate as as an opponent is there's very clearly who your who their biggest threat is, right? Yeah. Renekton requires a lot of tools for you to even get him to a place where he might generate that value, playing him, playing the spells, bringing stuff in, maybe playing, if you, even if you've got it, an additional uh, defensive tool, but they're not drawing a lot of cards. They've probably just burned a lot of what they had available to try and keep him alive for one attack. You can probably play any target, put any tool of targeting from targeted removal after that, and it's going to kill him because they don't have the the defensive tools to to make it through another wave. But yeah. all of the offense okay. funnels through those two players. It's like having a star player. It's like having LeBron James on your team. Everything funnels <laughs> through one guy. So yeah. it's yeah. and and they just know like okay, I basically just have to have the tools available to shut. That, that one guy down and the rest of the followers are meant to generate value for that one guy. So if he's not there, they're mediocre. So it's yeah. the same thing. And, with neither, that and the other thing is like Sharima, Sharima, nor P and Z have followers that protect. Right. right? They don't. They set up, but they're not going to protect you. So like, I just always felt completely useless when my opponent targeted my champions. It was like, oh yeah, you, you, I mean, you can kill them. I literally, I know I can't do anything. So guess i lose again <laughs> yeah <laughs> just kind of have the feeling was, had some close you know. games won a couple of them um i pulled echoes um his his generated busted spell was it the parallel convergence or whatever it is i pulled that on uh, the first yes. shot off of a swing with him and i was like okay this is great um i had i had an opponent play a ruination on me and then I just summoned the whole board back that he just ruinated and swung, and it was beautiful. Oh, that had to have felt good. Uh, that felt good. Um, yeah, it wasn't. It wasn't felt. a darkness deck, but it was a it was a Callista Viego deck, and um, so it, that felt good. That felt good to get that off. But anyway, sure, um, sure. Not our most successful deck name game, or um, not our most no. successful two champs in a hat. But I think and, the and conversation I was, was great. About this one too. Yeah, I like the pro the hard part for me was how excited I actually legitimately was about this matchup because I thought like this would work. But I was just constantly, you know, I was just getting gassed. I I just I just ran out of steam a lot and could not seem to sort of get back on the board and, and find the win with this one. So Well, I'll tell you unfortunately I've pulled the next combination already. Oh, I'm okay. I, I'm excited for it. It's two very also weird champions that you know it's going to be more of an aggressive format. So maybe maybe aggro, maybe an aggressive format will help. Okay, yeah. Hey, you never know. Maybe maybe. Uh, I'm excited now because I think Renekton Sejuani is going to be making a uh, an appearance potentially in my uh, in my Legends Cast Discord League decks. Uh, oh. So maybe you maybe you should prepare yourself for that if you're in the losers bracket because I'm coming for you with it. I'm coming for you. Threat <laughs> made. Threat made. All I'm gonna say is those cards are even, and so is Howling Abyss. So you better be ready. <laughs> that was one of the decks I made for a deck name game originally was Howling Abyss with Akshan and I think it was oh, Ak yeah. I think it was Akshan Sedge. You know, man, if only all of the Yetis. If only all of the Yetis. I tried that too. There's, it doesn't work. Abominable is eight. And the rest of the Yeti stuff is, is odd. 
Oh, man. If only the Yetis. If only the Yetis. Oh, well, it's okay. Okay, well, why don't uh, why don't we jump onto the next section? I think we are. Uh, I think we're going to be exploring some uh, some little bit of deck name game, right? Deck name game. Force is meaningless without skill. All right, deck name game for this week. Uh, I put out the calling, guys, for for decks into Discord, guys, ladies and gents, and what did I get back? Very minimal results. I am upset. I expect Hurt. more. I expect more from my dedicated community of deck builders that 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 build me such creative ideas for me to talk about and highlight. And I didn't get nearly enough. But the one person, the one shining light that I knew I could count on, I knew somebody would pull through for me. Good old silent Sith came through. In the wee hours of the night, as we're beginning our recording of our podcast, and he <laughs> was—he made it. He was like, "Oh no, I'm too late!" And I'm like, "No, no, no. We see it. We see it, and we're able to pivot because we are professionals." Yes. Uh, so I will highlight his deck, and I'm also going to afterwards highlight one of mine, just because I've been so excited about this deck. Um, but we've got Raiders of the Lost Vestiges. Am I pronouncing that right? Raiders? Yeah, le- yeah, Raiders of the Lost Vestiges, which I'm sure is like a run on Raiders of the Lost Ark, right? Raiders of the Lost Ark. Yeah. Which uh, which honestly like I've never been a huge uh what is that movie? Indiana Jones. Uh Indiana Jones. I've never been like a big Indiana Jones guy, but go ahead. I think in, in honor of the of this deck you need to go watch at least one of them. Uh so I, maybe. so this deck is an Akshan Riven deck. So looks pretty aggressive. He's got he's running one Dune Keeper, some thrashing snappers. Uh, in here, Threshing Snapper being a pretty aggressive uh, one drop. When it's blocked, it turns into a five attack one drop. Mm-hmm. Rock Hoppers to pull some vulnerable Rune Weavers in here, and uh, Thorn of the Rose. So, so some cards that are going to generate some other tricks in hand, generate some stun. Rock Hopper creating some vulnerable Rune Weaver, creating some uh, of the of uh, the shards that are uh, uh, one of the, the fragments. Excuse me for Riven. Uh, Vecran Vagab- uh, Vagabond to be able to um, lower the countdown on Akshan's, um on his landmark that he creates that will level him up. Callus uh, Bone Crusher is an interesting card. I'd ever see that run. Um, that is the card that discounts itself off of off of something. What is the that card discounts itself off of reputation. It costs yeah, it's two. A, it's a six four, right? Yeah, it's yeah. a six four that costs two if you can get reputation. So that's an interesting. That's that's a high roll kind of value card. Ruin Runner still always good. And then there's quite a bit of spells in here. So Shape Stones, Ruthless Predator, Absolver, Might, Whirling Death, and Reckoning and, and Right of Negation. I love the Reckoning play. I think Reckoning is really good to punish big boards, which we're seeing a lot of right now. The only way that Reckoning really gets punished is if the opponent has mana left and can buff tools up to the range where they don't die and they don't longer fall into that four or less category um, that reputation wants to kill everything. So, or if they can kill your whatever five cost or five attack unit you've got on board or freeze it or something like that. Um, but outside of that, reckoning is really good. It just requires a bit of setup and timing. Um, this deck overall yes. seems to be relatively tempo based. Um, but also relatively aggressive. It's got some ways to keep sustained units by pulling quick attack or pulling um, overwhelm on some units. Overwhelm not necessarily sustaining, but um, also along with all of the additional relics 
that you're going to be able to pull when Akshan's landmark, the uh, the the was it the the warlord mm-hmm. with the palace, yeah, when the uh, the warlord's palace and even the warlord's horde break, you'll be able to get some additional tools to keep your units alive in there. Go wide, swing hard, swing early, swing often. Seems yeah. like a really cool deck. I love the feel of it. It is very Indiana Jones. Uh, I and and you know you kind of have like the the thief right. You have mm-hmm. all the the different sandy stuff from Sharima. I'm, I'm I'm sure that's a lot of the theme. Um, and you have like the, I I you know I don't know how Riven fits in to that that theme perfectly. Um, and I, one of the things that I think is really interesting is there's only a couple of cards that uh reforge right. Mm-hmm. There is a one drop and a two drop. And he only has the two drop in here. Three copies of Runeweaver, which is the three one that reforges, but does not have the Blade Squire, which is the one mana two one that on death reforges. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that I'm dropping the Thrashing Snapper and the one of the and the Dune Keeper. I'm I'm dropping all of those and I'm I'm putting in the Blade Squire. Yep. That being said, I really like this list. Um, specifically because of the fact that I love Akshan Riven together. I think that they're really, really fun mm-hmm. because they combo off of one another. The problem is, is that you run out of juice with this deck, but if you, like, it is absolute fire if they go off at the same time. Like, if you can get, like, a couple of, like, you get an Akshan on board with the stuff discounted a little bit, get a couple of reforges in your hand, drop Riven, and you can drop, like, boom, 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 drop a bunch of Riven shards, level her up, level Akshan up, predict, drop your uh, your now reforged blade onto your Akshan or something. Uh, it's really oppressive because now you have, you know, a 4-2 Akshan or, um, or you you drop it on the Riven and have, have dropped your overwhelmed shards uh, on the Akshan and... Um, they they work very well together. The problem often with the two of them is that they struggle to close out the game. Um, but what's interesting, I, I'm blown away by the number of spells in this deck. Like Shapestone, Ruthless Predator, Absolver, Might, Whirling Death. I understand the Rite of Negation, and then Two Reckonings. Like, that's a lot of buffs in a deck where you're probably going to get buffs because Riven's going to give you buffs, right? Like, Riven and Runeweaver already generate a lot of buffs for you. So I think it's an interesting way to go about... um, It's going about... It's sort of like a reputation deck without the two cards that you would expect, right? You're not running LeBlanc Sivir, which are the reputation champions. You're running Riven Akshan, which don't by nature have five or more attack but with the buffs that are in this deck they frequently will have five or more attack activating activating your stuff um interesting i i think that i would i'd be running i'd be running the 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 blade squires i would also 100 percent be running the whispered words right right whispered words for for extra card draw and maybe the predict off of the the predict draw off of the Warlord's Horde or or the Warlord's Palace is enough just for the tempo play, and it's not worth the deck slot. But um, it seems like it I think seems you like the extra cards would be two. good. Um, 
Yeah, I, I think that you drop. I think I dropped both Ruthless Predators and or Shapestone got a lot worse. I might drop a Shapestone and I'm getting in like two or three copies of Whispered Words because a lot of times the problem with this deck is going to be that it's going to gas out, you know, six to 12 health before your opponent's dead. And if you could refill and grab a Rune Runner and, you know, a Might or you know, even a callous bone crusher and an absolver, um, you know, you might be able to get enough to push through the damage if you have card draw. Um, so I, that 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 was my only thought when I looked at this deck. I was like, this is a really fun deck. Um, I think it'll sort of, it'll gas out too quickly. Sure. Um, a lot of times, you know. Yeah. So there could be some good. I, lo I love the occlusion of the callous bone crusher, though. I I. I've always thought that card is pretty cool. It's a know? really cool card. It just feels hit or miss. You hate to see it in your hand if you don't have reputation because it's essentially not worth the value. The fact that it's got no keywords to it, it's just a big statted unit. It makes it a bit hard to to justify it sometimes. But when you get and get it for two mana, it's like, oh goodness, he just played this big thing for two mana. I didn't see that coming. That is a surprise unit on board on a pretty hefty one. I love that he that that um, Silence has put this deck in here because mine is also uh, it plays right off of this conversation because mine is also a Riven deck. Uh, I've I've mentioned this a couple times in Discord recently, and I have just been nothing but loving this deck in a meta that wants to slow down a little bit, wants to be a little bit more in the mid range and late game. I say nay nay, nay nay <laughs> to your <laughs> nay nay to your meta, uh, and I want to go fast. So I built this Lucian Riven deck that is just, I, I call it third wheel uh, because it runs Senna as well. So Lucian and, and Senna are kind of their <laughs> pair and Riven's just out there, just third wheeling it on this, on this date to destiny. Okay. Okay. That's funny. So um, as you mentioned earlier, um, it is running Blade Squire. Uh, three Blade Squire, three uh, Legion Saboteur for some extra push damage early. Not a lot of decks are running one drops uh, right now uh, because they're trying to get that value for spells or whatever in the mid game that they need it for like dragons and things like that. Um, so even if they are running a one drop, they're only like three copies of something and that's it. Odds of them hitting it are low. But even if it trades, we're fine with that because you're still pushing one damage through. Um, so Blade Squire, Legion Saboteur, Rune Weaver on two. Um, and then here's where things get spicy. So you've got Lucian on two. You've got Senna mm -hmm. on three. You've also got Riven on three. You are most likely playing a high-profile target on two or three, which a lot of decks right sure. now can't deal with. I have had a lot of games and mulliganed for it where I've pulled, I was the first attack. I pulled something like a Blade Squire or a Legion Saboteur on one, played Lucian on two, and Senna on three. And they don't yeah. know what to do. Yeah, if the, you, the many decks aren't in a good place to respond to that right now. If you order it, Senna, then the Blade Squire, and then Lucian, um, depending on what the unit is on the other side of the board, typically they can't deal with, um, even if they can kill Senna because she's the highest attack target, uh, though that, that's usually who they will target, um, if, if, they, if they can block some stuff the blade squire or whatever it is will also die after lucian's leveled because senna died and that will trigger the rally and you've just rallied on turn three for another mm. huge amount of damage that they can't block 
Um, I've won a lot of games with this deck by just being able to outrun opponents. But the amount of blades uh, or the amount of fragments that you can pull in this deck are, are crazy. Uh, Vanguard Redeemer for card draw. Kato the Arm to help close games, giving things plus three attack and, and overwhelm, especially when you've got double attack on like Senna or, or Lucian is really, really good. Sure. My most interesting find though, the blade fragments are really good with a new card that's in this game. Um, Roar yeah. of the Slayer. Roar of the Slayer. Roar of the Slayer is. is a three cost fast spell that says discard a card to kill the weakest enemy. Oh, okay, sure. Yeah. So uh, it's uh, it's uh, been a card that's run exclusively in discard, but the amount of fragments you're pulling... Not even, really, yeah. The yeah. amount of fragments that you're creating, you don't care, because you're going to end up pulling that fragment again soon anyway, especially sure. if you can protect your units with it, and you can play it in combat. So that's the other b- huge thing with it. It's not a slow spell. If it was a slow spell, it may not be as handy, but you can go, they'll have to block some things just to not get so low on health. They usually have one high profile target that they plan on swinging with on the following turn. You roar the Slayer and they're out. Especially when you tend to, when they end up typically dropping a solo Shivana on three or four, you kill Shivana no problem and you hard swing again on an open swing. It's, it's a killer card. Huh. So... Very interesting. Very interesting. So I, I, I challenge anybody to to try this deck. If you have tweaks for it, do it. Try. Please try uh, Silent Sith's deck, his Raiders of the Lost Vestiges. Uh, both decks running Riven and complementary champions, Akshan and Lucian, and seem to be pretty aggressive. Would love to hear yeah. the success that, you, that anybody has with either of these two decks. Uh, let us both know. Um, these are two really creative decks that are kind of counter meta right now and just being quicker than what the meta wants to do. So would love to see how people play them. Awesome. Yeah, definitely check it out. And I will put uh, both your deck and silent Siths in a deck code in the description of this episode. So if you want to check it out, please feel free to do so. That's going to move us on to our last segment for this episode. And it's an oldie, but a goodie, the return of closing thoughts. And I thought I was already perfect. Okay, guys, in the segment on Closing Thoughts, we like to say that, you know, we hope by listening to this show that you'll gain more than just knowledge about the show. Hopefully, you'll gain some knowledge about life as well. And uh, this episode, we're going to be talking a little bit about, you know, maybe how, how you can get a little bit better at life in addition to being a little bit better at LOR. And so I was hanging out with some friends the other day, and one of the guys that I was hanging out with said something really profound to me. He said, you know, I uh, I heard the story, and I'll, I'll be quick with the story, but basically a story, this guy was working in the house, and he had a terrible day, and at the end of the day, his truck broke down, and he couldn't get back to his house. And so um, the homeowner took this guy who had been working in his kitchen home, and on his way into the house, he hung up his tool belt in the tree outside and he walked into the house. And the next day the homeowner came back to pick him back up. Cause of course, you know, he didn't have a car at the time. And, uh, and whenever he did, the homeowner came out, uh, the guy came out and picked up the tool belt and put it on the homeowner asked him, why did you do that? He said, because when I enter that house, I need to know that no matter how bad my day was, that everything with work gets checked before I go into the building. And then when I enter the house, I'm there for my family. And, uh, you know, then he said this, which I thought was really profound. He said, you either have to make enough money at your work that you don't care what you do and you forget about it when you enter the house, or 
You have to learn to be content with what you make and love what you do. Be content with what you make and love what you do or make enough that it doesn't matter and you can check it at the door before you come in the house. And I think a lot of us need to to learn that, uh, especially like I think of this as a man um, who gets a lot of my value and my esteem and who I am comes out of what I do and what I produce and how I perform inside of my work um, to know that I, I need to not carry that in to every conversation and I need to not be checking discord because I lead an online church, right? My church exists on discord. I need to not be checking discord. Um, every moment that I'm with my daughters, um, I need to, to not be having my brain in a video game or a tabletop RPG or something else when I'm hanging out with my wife. Um, you know, I, I love what I do. I've learned to be content with what I make. That's kind of the situation that we're in. Um, but I also need to be able to be present with the people that matter most to me and the people that are around me. And I think sometimes in, in the online world, we struggle to do that because so much of our lives is engaged online that we struggle to be present with the, with the people that are close by. Um, so yeah, that, that was my, that was my closing thought. Anything to add Gibby about, uh, in, in the closing thought segment this week, you know, I ponder a lot about that. Um, just being able to separate work life and home life. And I think it helps to have, um, separate hobbies outside of work Mm. that don't involve the, the, the genre of work that you do. So that way you're not thinking about work while you are doing those other hobbies. So that's what I love so much, quite honestly, about uh, having discord, having the gaming community, having, uh, other things like that. But I've also got hobbies that I can do with my wife, um, that, that, we enjoy together. So I'm really in the moment with that. So it's, it's all about the effort that you make and um, where you choose to spend your energy and making sure that you have energy to do those things. That way you don't burn yourself out at work, come home and then not have the energy to do those things that make you happy that weren't work related. So, but truthfully, I always could use your, your life advice, Mark. And truthfully, I could always use LOR advice as well, clearly by me getting thwapped by you in our last round of the matches. So I, <laughs> I have so much to learn from you, my friend. Uh, well, I don't know if you have so much to learn from me. But I am glad that I beat you because I was definitely <laughs> nervous that I wasn't going to. And the thought of me losing to a Malkai deck was a bit overwhelming. Um, so uh, I'm glad that that didn't happen to me. Uh, well, guys, we do hope that you got something out of Closing Thoughts tonight. We also hope that you have become a better player at LOR as a product of being part of the show. Please come over and join us on Discord. There's a link in the uh, description of this episode or come and find us on Patreon and become a supporter of the show like we talked about before. I want to thank you all for tuning in and listening this week. We really do appreciate you and you are the best and our favorite online community. Thank you for being here with us and uh, and be sure to come back again next week. Thanks for listening to Legends Cast. This episode was brought to you by listeners like you. Don't forget to join our Discord community and support us by leaving us a rating and review wherever it is that you listen to podcasts. A special thanks goes out to all of our Patreon supporters over at patreon.com slash legendscast.